Friends, the Elegant Excellence Journal is coming back in 2023, and I am so excited about the changes we have made for you this year. Some you have asked for for quite a while, and some you didn't even know to ask for, but I know you are going to love. So get on the waitlist today at elegantexcellencejournal.com, and I will put that link in the description below. If you aren't already one of our thousands of users over the years, the Elegant Excellence Journal is a guided journal you can use daily or less, that supports you in vision casting your life, setting and achieving your goals, learning more about yourself, and most importantly, being in regular conversation with yourself to self-coach, adjust, celebrate, process, and become more peaceful in your life and more proud of who you are and what you're making happen. So be the first to know in the new year when you get on the VIP list at the link below or elegantexcellencejournal.com. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hey friend, I have a question. Do you care what other people think of you? I would imagine for most of us, the answer is yes. And yet I see advice on Instagram all the time that we should not care. We should stop caring. We should give less attention and airtime to what other people think, which sounds like a lovely idea. I would love to do that. I would love to care less what other people think. But how the heck do you actually do that? It is great advice to tune out the noise, tune out the opinions, not worry about things you can't change anyways, and most of us can't change people's opinions, and yet it has to come with a how. How do you actually turn the volume down on that anxiety and worry and fear center? Recently, I had an idea on this when I was talking with a friend and trying to help her process something, and as I've been percolating on it more, It's really helped me in some situations in my own life. It harkens back to the scene in The Holiday. Obviously, you've seen The Holiday, right? Hopefully, you have perhaps already seen it this season. If not, it is surely on your list. It is, in my opinion, the best Christmas movie, which, of course, has nothing to do with Christmas. But there is the iconic scene between Arthur and Iris. For the one person who hasn't seen it, Iris is... Kate Winslet, and Arthur is an elderly man in the entertainment industry who's her neighbor who is giving her advice on life, and she clearly respects him, and he's he's a classy old man, and he thinks she's a classy young dame. And he says to her, Iris, you are a leading lady, but you're acting like a best friend. You are the leading lady, but you're acting like a best friend. And I was thinking about that film and how... In any movie, there's a really small character. Like towards the top of the film, Cameron Diaz and her husband get in a fight because she thinks he's screwing around with his secretary and she throws all of his clothes out the balcony onto the driveway. And there happens to be a gardener who's like, I don't know, hosing down the leaves or something like that. And he's observing this interaction. And there's a little funny moment where she's saying, you know, just tell me that you slept with her. Just put me out of my misery. And the gardener like shakes his head at him like, no, don't, don't, don't be honest about that. He is honest about it. But the husband, does husband care what the gardener thinks? Like, is he really worried in that moment that the gardener knows I had an affair? The husband is a 
big Hollywood executive type, whatever. He's got way more important people in his world that he might be embarrassed if they knew that, but he doesn't care what the gardener thinks. He's just a bit player in that guy's life. And we all have those people where we're like, yeah, actually, like, I don't really care about that person. But what about Maggie? So Maggie is Jack Black's love interest. Jack Black is one of the leads. And he is dating this Maggie at the beginning. She's very vaguely in the movie. We don't see her a lot. We hear him mention her, but she doesn't actually really get a lot of airtime. And spoiler alert, he ends up with Kate Winslet in the end. But I thought, is Kate really worried about Maggie? Throughout the film, Kate actually is focused on getting over her own heartbreak. It's like a slow burn with Jack Black. We're not super invested in are they or aren't they? And oh no, she could love him, but he has a girlfriend. Like, no, she's in her own thing trying to get over this schmucky British guy. So I don't think she's worried about Maggie. She initially is just like, yeah, Jack and I are friends. I want him to be happy. Like, maybe Maggie's good for him. Maybe she's not. I don't know. And it's kind of at the end when it's like, oh, are they interested in each other? And he's like, oh, by the way, I broke up with Maggie. So Kate has not really spent a lot of time thinking, what does Maggie think about me? Does Maggie think that we're too close to friends? Is Maggie threatened by me? But imagine that Maggie has a whole other film. We've all seen The Holiday, but now over here is this second movie that Maggie is the leading lady of. And she breaks up with Jack, and Jack is a minor player, the same way that Maggie is a minor player. She breaks up with Jack, and then she falls in love. And this is her love story, the guy that she cheats on Jack with. He's the love of her life, and that's really what the whole movie is about. Meanwhile, Iris, Kate Winslet's character, might be one scene in Maggie's film. Like, maybe Maggie runs into her in Malibu one day with Jack, and that's it. It's a blip. Maggie isn't walking around being like, I wonder what Iris thinks of me. She knows I cheated on Jack. She's probably just like, whatever. She, I'm happy. She's happy. It all worked out. No, nobody really cares. And even Jack is just a chapter in her life. Because we've watched The Holiday, we are focused on the fact that Maggie is a a, a somewhat substantive character in that. She's not on screen a lot, but we hear Jack talk about her. But they're each just a chapter in each other's lives. Ten years from now, when presumably Jack and Iris are in love and having lots of babies, like, Maggie's something that happened way back when and vice versa. Think about an ex you dated years ago, a boss you had years ago. I mean, I worked with a horrible director at a theater in Rhode Island a million years ago and a marvelous director at a theater in Boston years ago. And if my life were a TV show at the time, they would have gotten, you know, one episode or three max, unless the whole show was about that theater thing. But if it was, hey, and then for this episode, she went and did a regional theater thing, and then we moved on. So yeah, they would have been a blip. Because my life story is not about the two months that I spent doing that show. But during those two months... It was a really big deal. I had a really negative experience with one and a really positive experience with the other. And both of those have stayed with me for years. I have genuine, powerful life lessons from each of those interactions. But as far as the actual people, I can't even tell you their names right now. I can tell you things they said, things they did, how they made me feel, it impacted my life, but I literally don't even remember their names and I guarantee you they do not remember mine. Because for every one director, there were 20 or 30 members of the cast, not to mention all of the crew. So the director that I didn't like, she's her own leading lady. She's got a whole story 
And she's never thought about me. Does not matter a hoot to her that I didn't care for her, that I didn't respect her, that I have talked about her. Because again, I don't even remember her name. I can tell a story of something bad that happened to me one time. And I'm like, I, I, but I just couldn't even tell you. What, if, I, if I passed her on the street tomorrow, I wouldn't recognize her. So a lot of the people that we have judgments on are actually closer to somewhere between the Maggie and the gardener in our story. Like we just, they're, they're not really big. We don't even remember their name or their face. We, we've heard about them. It's almost more like they never even got any screen time. We, we started the movie of your life after them and they're an anecdote you tell about before we, this movie started, something happened in my life when I was 18 when I was, you know, 28. But ultimately in both of our lives, we we barely register. So what this mindset helps me with is twofold. Number one, you picture yourself as the leading lady and then you get to give more lines and focus and screen time to who you want. So if they are a no lines cameo, like they got two lines, their background, then who cares? You know, it's a little bit different, of course, when we see an actual film or TV show because they aren't going to have a cast of 100 characters. There's going to be more diversity all throughout our lives in the people that come into it. But when I think about the fact that, you know, Sex in the City, for example, did we ever see Carrie's parents? How little interaction did Carrie have with Big's family? So it actually wasn't a huge part of Carrie's life what was happening with her family or her family-in-law. Now, we presume, obviously, if we were really in her life, there would be a presence there. But sometimes it can seem like an oversized presence if you are incredibly focused on your parents or your in-laws or something and realizing, actually, they can be a smaller part of the story. Am I giving them too much focus? Is the camera panning to them? Are there too many times when the camera's on me, but we've got a voiceover where I'm talking about this person that... We've never even seen, like it feels like there's really more important things that the audience would be tracking on. There's other storylines that are more compelling. There's other things that really seem to be bigger in your life. So it gives you more of a sense of empowerment to think, I am the leading lady. I am the writer. I am the director. That doesn't mean I can control everything that happens in my life, but I can shape this narrative if I think about how people would be perceiving my life. And that can give me a level of confidence and a level of empowerment. And then two, you picture that that person is the leading lady in their life. So you are the annoying neighbor or the selfish ex-friend, or the person they went on a date with. You enter to move the story along, to teach them something, to give them some conflict or a life lesson, to make them better, to inspire them, to give them a word of wisdom, to be a cautionary tale of what not to do. You enter because people need work colleagues, people they follow on social media but don't actually know. You flesh out the full life, but you're not a series regular. You're just adding color. So what this means is that two films can be happening at the same time. There was a TV show years ago. I only watched the first few seasons of it because it was pretty upsetting, but it was also deeply fascinating. It was called The Affair. And within this film, they told one story back and forth from two perspectives. What was his vision of the scene and what was her vision of the scene? 
and every element in their lives as this affair unfolded, you saw such different perspectives based on whose eyes you were seeing it through. The example that always stands out to me is the first night they met when they went back and told that story. In his eyes, she was so sexy, her her breasts were pushed up, she was wearing a short skirt, she was very sort of flirty, she was a, a caterer at this party. And it's almost like she was kind of coming on to him. In her version, she like, she hasn't washed her hair, she's exhausted, she's not wearing makeup, she's just wearing like black pants and a classic black top, she's barely tracking on him, she's like, why does this guy seem so interested in me? And so we got these two different views of the same movie based on who was telling the story. And I've had this experience in my own life where I have, for example, been friends with a guy and a girl who met through me and they were dating, they were trying to see if they could date, whatever. And in the same day, I had a conversation with both of them where one of them said, oh, we had like a really great conversation. I think he's really clear that we're not, we're not gonna be dating anymore. And then the other one was like, you know, I felt really good about it. I think we're in a good place. We're we're working out and like we're going to keep dating. And I remember standing, I was at my parents' house in California. I remember standing in my driveway and just being like silently screaming to the heavens, be like, what? Like, how is this possible? These are two incredibly bright, successful, talented, smart people. How did they walk out of one conversation and have two totally separate ideas? That's not the only time it's happened to me. There was another time when I was at a birthday party at a bar and I'd been with some friends earlier and I said to my guy friend, how are things going with so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, we're just friends. Like we're not together. Then I end up in a conversation with the girl and thinking, well, she's single, like with a couple of us girls. And she asks the other girl how her dating life's going. And then she asks me and like, it just felt like the polite thing to do to be like, what about you? Are you seeing anyone? And she's like, oh, only, and she mentions the friend. She's like, no, I mean, just him. And I'm like, my head is going to explode. Like one hour apart in the same bar, one of you told me that you're just friends and one of you told me that you were dating. And again, I was like, you are both very smart, bright, accomplished, successful people. How do you have such different stories where you have to come to an agreement, right? Two people have to know whether or not they're dating. This isn't even an opinion of we got in a fight. And I think he was wrong and I think she was wrong. No, it shouldn't be hard for us to be like, we're kissing, right? We're either are or we aren't. Like that's a thing that's happening or it's not. That should seem like reality that we could get on the same page at. But I've had so many of these experiences where I realize the story in our heads is so incredibly different. And so I wonder if, back to the holiday, if Maggie had her own film, we see in the holiday that she cheats on Jack. And we think, oh my gosh, she's awful. Jack is the sweetest. He adores Maggie. What a little jerk she is. Like, why would you do that? We're totally on his side. But that's because we're just seeing his side. What if we saw on her side, maybe Jack was like really distant. He cared so much about his music. He was all talk. He like said all these nice things, but then he didn't really treat her well. Or, you know, it just, it seemed like he wanted to be in love with her, but he wasn't really. And then maybe this guy that she meets is totally her soulmate. And they go on to have this love story. And you don't love that she cheated on him, but you end up being like, okay, they weren't married. They didn't have kids. They hadn't been together that long. Or maybe she's deeply insecure. And the story is about how Maggie keeps self-sabotaging. 
and she pushes away people that are good for her. And now we have empathy for her. We're like, oh my gosh, now we understand her childhood trauma. And she does, Jack was a wonderful person, but she pushes away people like that. And now we're feeling all of this compassion for Maggie. If we actually could see the other side of the story, both things can be true. We can feel compassion for Jack and compassion for Maggie. There's an author that I love who writes novels, uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I'd read two of, I think I was on her second book or third book when I realized that in every book, she has one character that crosses over into another book. So in The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, one of the guys she marries, which is a very brief, like gets an old in 48 hours. He's a not a huge part of the story. Out of all the seven husbands, he is probably the shortest. But that guy, Mick, then there is a book called Malibu Rising. And Malibu Rising is about the wife and kids he left behind when he went out and was having affairs and having these flash relationships or weddings or whatever. So he's not the star of either. But he is a minor player in Evelyn's story. They were married and they did get divorced and she had her reasons for doing that and et cetera. And then over here in the Malibu Rising story, he's barely in it. But it's about all of this destruction that he caused for his kids by being an absent father. And so we get these two perspectives. I'm sure if there was a whole book about Mick, there actually would be more to his story that we would connect with and empathize with. And he wouldn't be so one-sided as... He's just a bad guy. He's a jerk. He's selfish. For most people in most scenarios, there is more. It does not mean that we necessarily agree with them. It doesn't mean that we are on their side. It doesn't mean that we don't pick a side or have a preference. But when we actually get to see it through both lenses, we see there usually is a lot more complexity. So on the one hand, this game can give you more confidence when you focus on yourself as the star. And you realize there's only a few people in your life that are really co-stars, that are really those, you know, fellow series regulars, guest stars, whatever, that what they think about you really matters. Your business partner, your best friend, your husband or your wife, that relationship is a big part of your life. If you broke up, that would be a big part of the story. We would talk for a long time about how Carrie and Samantha are no longer friends because we were used to in the Sex and the City franchise that they were a huge part of each other's lives. So we had to acknowledge it. We couldn't just pretend Samantha didn't exist. When Big died, we had to acknowledge that. That led to a big change. But most of the people that we are worried about, when you think of yourself as the leading lady, they're glorified background. In the whole arc and scope of your life, they are such a small player that we don't really need to care what our ex-boss, ex-coworker, ex-employee thinks of us. They're off in their own story right now. We don't really need to worry about the ex-friends or the ex-romantic partners. What matters is your story and who you choose to have in it now, who you choose to feature and focus on their fellow perspective, their perspective on your life. If your spouse thinks you're selfish, that's probably a perspective that you do want to consider because you don't want to be a horribly selfish leading lady. So that's going to come into play. But those people are few and far between. And then secondly, it can give you more peace because you can let them be their own leading lady and write their script. 
and they get to live their life. They can see you as the villain. They can see themselves as the victim. And it can be true or untrue in your story. You'll never watch their film. Very few people will ever watch their film. It's like pretty much a straight to DVD. No one cares how few people are actually spending their lives watching that other person's film so closely. Probably their spouse, their best friend, their mom, etc. like the key people in their life. That's about it. When you really think about your friend who went through a breakup and like you barely knew that guy, right? Like you just, it was the pandemic. You didn't see them that often. Like you care about the friend, but that guy, are you going to really go watch the film of his life? No, you're not following him on Instagram. Like you don't really care. You're not going to know what's happening. So it is pretty quick that we get removed from no one I know is really paying attention. We're all so focused on our own lives. Who has time to pay attention to that? Maybe there's like, you know, you're following the Kardashians and so you're seeing what's happening in their life. You're following an influencer. We are following other people's lives and I do the same people that I enjoy. But as far as people that I might really be worried what they think about me, like an ex-boyfriend or something, who in their life is watching my story? That would be weird if that was true. Think of it like there's a zillion things streaming and the audience for most everything is very small. And even for your own life, so few people are really paying attention. But instead, from your vision, you are the leading lady. And now you can imagine that everyone who is paying attention is hearing your story and your perspective, is on your side, is rooting for you, understands all the layers of complexity, all the hard things that you've been through, all the childhood trauma, all the fears and insecurities. We care about you in that deep way, so that's why we're rooting for you. That's the audience that you are picturing. And again, that everybody else has their own moment as that leading lady as well. You're not saying that you're better than everyone else. You're just letting them do their own thing over there, and it's unrelated to yours. Now, the time that this is really hard is if there truly is overlap in the stories. So in Sex and the City, when Samantha decided not to join the reboot, so then we had to say that they got in a fight, if Carrie and Samantha are both still living in New York City and not speaking to each other, oof, that's hard. Like, it's really tough that Charlotte and Miranda are going to be in the middle and they're going to run into each other at events. They're going to see each other on social media. They're going to casually come up in conversation with other friends or they're going to have to make a split and say, I can't be friends with both of you or I can't be friends with you when you're friends with her. It's it's too painful and there's a split. But most of the time, if you are divorced, and your best couple friends were the biggest people in your lives, that is painful. It is really challenging to say, we're going to keep seeing each other. We're going to keep seeing all these same people. But the majority of the time, we either lightly cross someone, maybe we'll occasionally run to them at a big group gathering where they might pop up in one group photo. But so many of the people in our lives, you never really saw that guy again. Like once your friend group changed, it became less of an issue that you saw that person. Now that you haven't worked there anymore, that's kind of irrelevant. So we actually don't have to care what these other people think of us. 
They are the background people that are so slight. They are the tiny day players. Even if it's your neighbor right now and you're like, oh, my neighbor can hear us when we fight. Like, are you going to live in this house for the rest of your life? Are you incredibly close with your neighbors? Do you go on vacation with them and, and ask advice and have dinner at one of those houses? Or are they just like someone that you pass? Are they basically just glorified background to be like, hi, Mrs. Landingham, as you go in and you're like, who actually cares? This person is not featured. I can let it go. One aside, and then we'll get back to worrying about what others think of us, but just on this concept of the leading lady best friend, I've also been noticing the unique times where there is an imbalance that the reason you don't feel like the leading lady in your life is perhaps because other people in your life so dominate and feel like they are the leading lady that you always feel like you're relegated to the role of the best friend. And that's why this confidence feels hard. Or you see yourself as so the leading lady and you kind of subconsciously maybe downplay a little bit the people in your life. Like they're sort of people pleasers, so they'll kind of always defer to what you want. And then it can get hard to to actually think and respect they're their own leading lady. When this person leaves my life, they're going to go live their other story and the world actually doesn't revolve around me. And I was thinking about this because I watched the Selena Gomez documentary this fall. And obviously it's, which is very good by the way, about her mental health and her bipolar diagnosis. And I thought it was really brave of her to put it out there. And of course it's her documentary, right? So I just noticed everyone is talking about her. We never get a sentence that's about anyone else. There's even a a best friend in the show that gets a lot of airtime and it's really great. But her commentary is always about Selena whether Selena seemed ungrateful, whether Selena seemed unhappy. It's not that this girl's going through a breakup with, you know, her boyfriend. It's not that that girl's mom is in the hospital with cancer. It's not that that girl keeps having this, like, you know, having migraines and she can't figure them out. It's nothing about that person's life. Now, of course, it's a documentary, so that's where our focus is. But I also wondered, and this also came up on the Kardashians there was an episode that was about Courtney's wedding and they were flying to Italy and they were on the plane flying there. They were doing the, the wedding dress fittings in Milan and then they were on the plane again. And there was all these scenes, even at meals, where everyone is staring at Courtney. She's the one who is talking. She's the one who everyone is focused on. And I thought, I wonder what the plane conversation, the... Now, of course, it's her wedding. So that's a little different. When you're at that person's bridal fitting, they should be the leading lady. But when you're just out to dinner... When you're on the private plane, as though we're on private planes, but is there conversation about other people? And it made me think in both of those cases, when the people who work for them are also their close friends and they are both traveling together for work and then playing together afterwards. They're out on the road traveling. They're the glam team that's going to the Met Gala with them. So they're traveling, but it is for work, but then they're also friends and they're out playing. Is the dynamic always there? that the Selena or the Courtney is for sure the leading lady. And how does that feel to know you are the best friend of the leading lady? Now, that is a rare circumstance that few of us are celebrities or the closest people to celebrities. But when we trickle that down into our real life, I do think it's something to think about when we engage this game, that it may feel harder for some of us because is it that people around you make you feel like you're the best friend? Like they don't honor that you're the leading lady. It really feels like an imbalanced friendship. Or do you defer to it? Do you prefer to be 
the woman behind the woman? Do you see that that is more humble or you're going to get less criticism or you just don't think you have what it takes? Like it could be coming from them and realizing, I don't know that this friendship or relationship really supports me to be like, I am my own leading lady and this is giving me that confidence. Or it might have nothing to do with them and everything to do with you. I do struggle to see myself as the leading lady. I think of myself as like smaller than everyone else, less important than everyone else. And what would it look and feel like? We talked about a royal mindset episode that I will link below. And in that concept of the royal mindset, it was really putting on that confidence of who do I think of as royal? And it doesn't need to be an actual royal, but I use the example of someone like Amal Clooney. I think of her as just like any room she walks into, people automatically want to talk to her. They want to hear what she has to say. They would respect her. I just imagine she would go in with such an aura of confidence. There's so many phone calls she would pick up and make that I would think, well, that person wouldn't want to talk to me or whatever. And that she would naturally have that confidence of feeling like she is the leading lady. People see her as the leading lady. And I think that to put that on the way that I say in that episode, Beyonce talks about how she has an alter ego, Sasha Fierce, that she puts on like a coat before she goes on stage. So someone like Beyonce is not necessarily naturally from a young age walking around seeing herself as this leading lady. She understands it's like a persona that she has to put on to step into that. And that means that all of us can do the same. If we ultimately are downplaying and deferring and we're so worried what everybody else thinks, we're not coming from that leading lady mindset. And then of course, there's a fine line that we could be so focused on being the leading lady that we're not really tracking on, oh, there's some people pleasers in our lives who just want to go along with everything that we say. And actually, we want to make sure they too feel like the leading lady. So you're going to ask your employees their thoughts, their feelings, what's happening in their personal life, you know, or your assistant, the people under you at work. You're not just going to make it seem like, well, of course, everyone's here to serve me. Or if you have someone in your life who is more of a people pleaser or less likely to speak up for what they want, where's all my Enneagram twos and nines out there, um, you're going to note that they defer to you more. And you're, you're going to look for, I, I love them. I want them to feel like the leading lady or the leading man. So how can I shift that spotlight away from me and actually help them sit in that seat and not think of themselves as the sidekick in my life? If I am the more dominant or the more quiet one in this friendship, romantic partnership, business partnership. So back to worrying what others think of us. I said something earlier that I think is really interesting thought to play with, which is victim and villain. So back to the affair, you know, you saw either she pursued him or he pursued her. They both ultimately had affairs. But through each of their lens, the very beginning of the affair, each one felt more like the other one was sort of the pursuer, the aggressor. You could blame them a little bit as the villain. Well, they... They came on to me. They pursued me, even though I had a ring on my finger. And each one of them sees themselves as more of the victim. I just, it was so hard to resist. They were so into me. They were really pursuing me so much. So it allows them to take less responsibility, feel less guilt and shame, and project that more on the other person. And you would never be able to tell the other one of them differently. That's just their memory of how it started. That's the way, in the same way that my two friends giving opposite answers, 
if I'd had them both there and been like, hey, so one of you thinks you're dating, one of you thinks you're not. And by the way, in these cases, it was reversed each time. Each time, one, it was the guy who thought they were still together and one, it was the girl. So this was not even a gendered scenario. If I got them together, they probably would have been like, no, you said this. No, you said that. Even if you can think about arguments that you've had in your life. There's so many times when Jeremy's saying, you just said that. I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah, you said that. No, I really did not say that. That something that happened literally 90 seconds ago, we already disagree because we so filtered it through. I didn't say exactly that, but I said something similar that he's then interpreting is this. And when I didn't say exactly that, what I really was meaning was sort of more interpretation of this. So in reality, we are further apart than the words that actually came out of the mouth. But what matters is your story now. What matters is the script that you are writing. And if this is a person that stays in your head of like, I just can't believe that person betrayed me, judged me, disrespected me, DM'd me that they don't like me, talked about me behind my back, whatever, then write them out of it. And you don't have to kill them off. They're just off living another life. Like in the Sex and the City reboot, Stanford, who unfortunately the actor who played him died during the filming of the show. And so they decided he was going to be living a life in Tokyo that we didn't want him to die. So we just picture him starring in another film. He was like off managing the career of his TikTok star over in Tokyo. There's a whole film out there while the real Stanford is uh, up in heaven. Fictional Stanford is like over in Tokyo, living his best life over there, loving it. And he just goes on. He's no longer present. Meanwhile, Samantha, who the storyline is that she has moved to London, And she's lost touch with all three of the girls. She's told a whole group of friends in London about Carrie. How Carrie hurt her. How Carrie abandoned her. How Carrie was wrong. And it doesn't mean that Carrie actually did anything wrong. But it does mean Samantha felt hurt. And both can be true. And that is such a mind kerfuffle to wrap your head around that Samantha can be the victim in Samantha's story without Carrie being the villain in Carrie's story. They can each be equally important as the leading lady in their own two films that exist at the same time without ever even showing up on camera in the other film. So what if you just play with, oh yeah, you can have your movie over there where you totally like talk smack about me and like say all these things that are hurtful, that are untrue, that totally aren't reality. But like, who's who's watching that? Three people on DVD? Like, whatever. That's just like not worth my energy to be thinking about. But in our mind, it feels like they are the leading lady and a thousand people I care about are all paying attention because often we've seen the three people who watch the DVD, right? Like we saw in the comments, ooh, that person commented back and that person, oh my gosh, those people know what they think of me. Okay, but are those your best friends? Because if they were best friends, then you'd be talking to them about it. And if they're not your best friends, then they're just not really relevant to the story, right? Like it's rare that there really is someone where you would go, I am an actress and they talked poorly about me to a director I really wanted to work with. And now I am devastated that this this person thinks this of me. That occasionally happens, but most of the time, it's like those people are distant. This actually does not matter that this person has a negative opinion of me. Samantha can have this whole other story about Carrie, and because we only see Carrie's story, 
we're Team Carrie, right? I mean, it doesn't mean we have no compassion for Samantha, but we didn't watch that show going, ugh, can't believe that when Carrie didn't have work in the pandemic, she fired Samantha as her publicist because she couldn't afford it. What? Ugh, I just dislike Carrie. But that's the story we heard. I would imagine, again, fictional Samantha has a, a different story of why she believes Carrie should have behaved differently. So not caring what other people think is phenomenally hard for most of us because we want to be safe. It is our number one goal. And being talked about or thought about negatively feels unsafe. Having people tell a false narrative about us makes us want to defend ourselves because it does feel threatening to us that if this happens too much in too many scenarios, we would be pushed out of the tribe that our DNA goes back to. If if multiple people in the tribe all really started to go against us and dislike us and tell lies about us, we can end up getting pushed out where we now don't have the support network. We would now die in the wilderness because we aren't able by ourselves to like hunt and gather and cook and make the clothes and all of the things. So we need that social support network to make things happen. But every person on the planet has people that do not like them or always like them or everything about them. And no one has the same exact perception of everyone else. The view I have of every one of my friends is different in their head and different than our other mutual friend. And I have my life experience with them and that does not dictate that the one experience that matters most is the one that they are having because they are the leading lady. And I even have gotten better about this when I think about giving advice to friends. I just said to a friend this morning, actually, like this characteristic with my Enneagram type and whatever, this is what works for me and the choice you make in that area like would stress me out. But I care about you being happy. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to do the thing I would do because in your personality, it's not going to make you happy. So I really try to see and respect that my friends are the leading ladies of their own lives or lean lads. And so I look at that and I'm like, that is not the story that I would have written. Well, yeah, because it's not my story. And if I truly could get in their head, even someone that you've known for so long, even your, your spouse, your sibling, someone you know so well, there is still more that you would learn if you actually watch the movie of their life. There is more internal monologue. There is more little connection moments. You would have more empathy and understanding for them. The choices that they make would make more sense. But we all have people that do not like us, do not understand us, and we are all still here. We are all still here. So let that person that thinks you are the worst, like, just let them have your film. Because as long as you've got a couple of great people, you've got your own multi-million dollar blockbuster, so let them have their straight to DVD one. You are someone's worst date. You are someone's worst friend, the, their worst employee or employer story and you don't even remember that you dated that person. I don't even remember that I've got my worst director story and I don't even remember her name or her face. <laughs> so it's okay that she's a worst in someone's life because it doesn't really have anything to do with anyone. And I guarantee you there are other people that think she was the most amazing mentor to them. She changed their lives. There's other people that have a glorious story of her, but you can let them have their film, no one who is guest starring in your film has time to watch yours. And again, there's some of that royal mindset energy that I'll link to that episode below. Today, to picture yourself as the star, that your work is the most important work. 
your struggles, we care deeply about. Your growth, we are the greatest champion of. Your fears are deeply important and inform everything. Your hopes are what it's all about. Your people that you've chosen to cast as guest stars, we are also deeply invested in. We want to, you know, cheer for your best friend. We want to know that she's okay and what's happening with her. We want to know what's happening with your kids. We want to know what's happening with your partner. Like, we're invested in them, but it still is through your lens. And you are a smash hit blockbuster. And that person complaining about you is a, you know, made-for-TV movie from the 90s that no one's watching. So it just turns down the volume on their importance in your life. And then it turns up the volume on your importance in your life. And again, you're not saying that you're any better. It's not, it has zero ego because everybody gets to be the leading lady role simultaneously. It's not egotistical. It's not self-centered. It's simply separating and allowing, you can have your story and I can have mine. And I don't need to be worried about what your story says unless you are in the rare overlap where truly you might get in the way of my dreams. You might get in the way of my career success or my marital happiness or something because you're really going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person. But most of the people that we are worried about are anonymous people on the internet, someone that we're not even going to be friends with or working with or dating five years from now. But in your film, your life, it is the most compelling narrative you will ever watch because you relate to it more deeply and intimately than anyone else. It is the most beautiful, complex, layered, nuanced script that you've ever read because you have downloaded inside of you every one of those little whys and understandings. And if you stay in self-growth, self-awareness, self-help, self-development, you're peeling back those layers all the time. Your story is endlessly fascinating because you're going to have an aha three months from now about why you do that thing. Tomorrow, you're going to get another little insight. You know why I think that was upsetting to me? You're constantly going to get these little moments where the person who is watching that film goes, oh my gosh, this is so complex. That's so interesting. Oh, that makes so much sense. You know what? Do you remember three seasons ago? Now I know why she did that. Oh, you know what? That was like a harken back to that to something like five years ago. Wow, that is so cool to see the way that that narrative has unfolded. So play with this idea. Please come over to Instagram and let me know how it feels. If you are part of the Elegant Excellence community, let's talk about it inside there this week. But today, know that you are the star and your inner world of thoughts and feelings is what matters most. So move anyone who is triggering you or making you feel insecure or taking up too much volume and space that ultimately you want to decrease their involvement, move them to the background or out of the show entirely and ask yourself what you as a leading lady would like to do with the rest of your day, with the rest of your year. How would you act and show up differently if you saw yourself as a leading lady of a compelling film about a real woman navigating real things, coming out better, laughing, and enjoying her life along the way? Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are some of the stories that I referenced in this episode. First off, the holiday. I rarely rewatch movies, even Christmas movies. I'm like, eh, didn't we see that last year? I just, I don't really love a rewatch. 
but The Holiday and Love Actually get me every time. I could happily watch them every season and just like feel all the warm feels and quote all of the lines. And also, Taylor Jenkins Reid, the author that I mentioned earlier, I love everything that she's written. I think at this point I've read five or six of her books, including a short story that I found on my Kindle. It is rare for me that I track on a fiction author. And I'm really like, I love them so much. I can't wait to see what else they come out with. Amor Tolls is the only other example. Uh, Rules of Civility, years ago, I read and loved. And then when Gentleman in Moscow came out, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that same author that I loved. Now, I have not read his most recent book, but I very much want to. With Taylor Jenkins Reid, I did read her most recent book, Carrie Soto is Back. If you haven't read any of her work, I would recommend starting with something else. It wasn't my favorite just because it's about tennis. And so there's a lot of tennis talk as sort of the play-by-play of the book. And even as someone who really enjoys tennis, the U.S. Open was a big part of my story. I cocktail waitress there for five years. It was the worst job I ever worked. I hated it, but I made good money. And most of all, I became a fan of tennis and I got to watch every match from center court. So I feel like I appreciate tennis more than the average person. And I still found myself a little bit being like wanting to skim those parts just a little. So if it's your first introduction... I would start with one of the other books. However, I still loved Carrie Soto and would highly recommend uh, listening to it again. So I am wishing you some extra time to read, watch, be cozy, and think of yourself as that, you know, darling scene. We've got Cameron Diaz in the holiday, like in that little cabin, you know, playing faces with the dog or whatever. Like even in your coziest moments this season, just see yourself in that light. Like what is the romanticized version of this? What is all the goodness that is going on? What is all the complexity and the beauty and the gratitude? I hope that you get more of those quiet, cozy moments that are still deeply meaningful and important to you coming up soon. And I am so grateful if you would give me the quick, free holiday gift of leaving a review or sharing this or a favorite episode with your friends to keep them company this holiday season while wrapping presents or driving to go see their family for the holidays and then spark some beautiful conversation with the other leading ladies and lads that you choose to have in the magical movie that is your life. I will see you back here next week, my dear, with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.